Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. You can't rightly go through the story of redemption without talking about the Holy Spirit. He is in every chapter. He inspired the writings. He empowered Jesus. He was spoken out about through the whole Old Testament. The Holy Spirit empowers us to bear witness of the gospel. <clears throat> so we are all witnesses. I've said this to you guys before. You don't have to work hard to be a witness. It's woven into you being an image bearer of God. You bear witness, whether it's miraculous or devastating, when we see things that are beautiful or we see things that are atrocious, we bear witness about them. It happens every day of our lives. So something devastating I saw this week was the fact that Paul Walker died in a horrific car accident. What happened? Most of us <clears throat> saw the video. We saw the shape of the car. We saw it exploding. Even someone got it on their iPhone. They saw it exploding. And what did we do? We bore witness to our friends of what we saw. Many people I saw said, did you see that video? What happened to Paul Walker? It was devastating. I witnessed it. Did you witness it? We naturally are witnesses. I was with an old friend this week. We call him Righteous. Many of you know him. Righteous is one of these brothers that just can't get over his salvation. And God loves these people. He cannot get over his salvation. If you meet Righteous, nine out of ten times, he's going to tell you about the day he got saved. Now blown away he is that God actually came into his life and caused him to be a witness of who Jesus was. He sat me down in his living room this week. I went over to Mikey G's house and we throw bones. We play backgammon. We call it throwing bones. And Righteous comes in and he calls his guitar the shotgun. He says, Joe, you want some of the shotgun? Next thing you know, I'm in the living room and he's singing me one of his new songs. Guess what the song was about? How God has saved his soul. That's the theme of every song. It should be the theme of every song. He's bearing witness of what God has done in his life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's called regeneration. The Holy Spirit awakens our heart. He opens the eyes of our heart to see who Jesus is, his person and work, that he is God, that he died for our sins, that he rose again, that he's coming back again, that he's still alive today, seated, ruling, reigning, high above. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We become witnesses of who Jesus is and what he has done. You should be a witness of God and the gospel every day of your life. Right now you're bearing witness of the beautiful Copland movement that happens every Sunday at church. Matthew's going to let you know about it. <laughs> but we were made to be witness. Some of you are going to talk about that after church. You're bearing witness. Today, I want you to leave with this thought, with this idea, that the Holy Spirit has empowered all who believe in Jesus to bear witness of the gospel. The mission of the church is very simple. It's to proclaim the gospel and it's to make disciples. Because as we bear witness, the Holy Spirit regenerates hearts, people repent, and they put their faith 
in God. How do you know you're a good witness? If you're witnessing. You can't tell if you're a good witness or not if people are repenting and putting their faith in Jesus. Because that's not up to you. You're not God. You can't change hearts. You can't make people repent. You can't make people follow Jesus. You're a good witness when you're witnessing. When you're not witnessing, you're a horrible witness. Because it's not our job to save people. <clears throat> it's not our job to make people change. Our job is to bear witness about what God has done. How he died for us. How his grace is free. How it's not about what we have done, but what Jesus has done. How he's taken our place. He's rose again for our justification. And he offers salvation to all who would just believe. Amen? Amen. So we're going to start. We're talking about who the Holy Spirit is. Because this is very important. And I'm watching Dave. He's eating a bagel in the second row. Talk to him. That's not pastoral like. Talk to him right after church. But God is graceful. Amen? <laughs> God, the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about who he is. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay? Some people go astray and wrongly believe that the Holy Spirit is under God the Father and under God the Son. We don't see him as perfectly equal in the beautiful doctrine of the Trinity that's woven throughout the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, perfectly equal. Now, some people wrongly get caught up in subordinationism. This was a heretical doctrine in the early church. They taught that God the Father was over God the Son, and God the Son was over God the Spirit. That's wrong. That's heretical. That's crooked. It's not what's taught in Scripture. Other people get caught in what's called modalism. They think that God went into a different mode and became Jesus. Then he went in, Jesus ascended and went into a different mode and became the Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> there are three distinct persons who ex eternally exist as one God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is, has all the attributes of God. We need to understand that. The Holy Spirit is not down here. He is in perfect plane with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I just want to go with you a little through a few verses in Scripture where you see that the Holy Spirit has always been there, even from creation. We see in Genesis 1-2, so we're only a second verse in and we're already talking about the Holy Spirit, right? We see him active in creation. In Genesis 1-2, it says the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So we're talking about the big story. So I want you to see the Holy Spirit there from the very beginning. He's eternal. Second, we see him active in the conversation to make man in God's image because he is God. In Genesis 1-26, it says, <clears throat> then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What did God say there? Let us make man in our image. Do you see the Trinity right there? He's not saying just my, he's saying our, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Fully God. We go on. If you look through all the Old Testament, you'll see prophecies that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. So I'm just going to read you a couple of those. In Joel 2.28, 20, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. 
Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. We see a prophecy that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. In Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, and it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's what we need, right? The Holy Spirit within us, empowering us. Then we see in the ministry of Jesus from his baptism. What happens at Jesus' baptism? The Father speaks. You hear his audible voice. The Son is baptized. And the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. You have all of the Trinity present. And you have the Holy Spirit empowering Jesus on his mission. He goes in. He's tempted in the wilderness. What does he come out? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. How does he heal people? Through the power of of the Holy Spirit. How does he raise Lazarus from the dead? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How does he cast out demons? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How does he preach like no one has ever preached? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see all the way through, even up to the ministry of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present, empowering his people. But we see this. The Holy Spirit comes in like a flood on the day of Pentecost and he empowers people to what? To be witnesses. Have many of you heard about the day of Pentecost? So let me give you a summary so we don't have to go to the whole chapter and talk about it. Jesus was about to ascend. He rose from the dead. He stayed with his people, his disciples, <coughs> for 40 days, <coughs> teaching them about what the kingdom of God would be. And he's about to ascend. He's about to go to his throne in heaven. And everyone's worried. They're saying, you can't leave us. We won't be able to do this. We can't carry this on if you're not with us. He says, you have nothing to be worried about. Because I'm going to send the help. I'm going to send the comfort. I'm going to send the teacher. I'm going to send the one who's going to empower you to do this impossible work. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He tells them to wait. Now, he's talking to 500 people. And I want you to see the nature of man here. So you never be blown away by the nature of man. We are depraved. There's something wrong with us. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. Every day I wake up, I said there's something wrong with us. He's talking to 500. This is the risen Lord, risen God, rose from the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. There's never been anyone like him. People will follow him, right? 500 people, he says, wait. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes to empower you. Guess how many people waited? 144. What happened to those 356 other people? I'll tell you what happened. Their careers were more important. I'll tell you what happened. Their money was more important. I'll tell you what happened. They didn't like the persecution they were getting being affiliated with Jesus. That will make a lot of people fall off the train real quick. Believe me, I lived in the kingdom of God for a while. 144 people are faithful. They're waiting in that upper room. And a mighty rushing wind comes in, the Holy Spirit, and the world is changed forever. How did 144 people turn the world upside down who served a murdered Savior, homeless Savior? There are roughly 1 billion people in the world who say they follow Christ today. That's astonishing. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he made them 
powerful witnesses. That's the thing that happened the most that day. See, people get caught in other stuff. They became empowered witnesses. Yes, they started speaking in tongues. But you know why they started speaking in tongues and what that meant? They started speaking in tongues. But when miracle was in the people's ears, they were proclaiming the gospel in people's language they didn't know. They were witnessing. Where they were witnessing, people were walking around. And back in that day, people, there were so many different languages. And they didn't know them all. The Holy Spirit moved on them, and miraculously, they started speaking in tongues. The people heard the works, the mighty works of God in their ears and heard the gospel. What were they doing? They were witnessing. That's what tongues were for, for that day. And what happened when people stopped and said, how are these dudes speaking in my language and they don't know my language? How are they talking about what God has done in my own Then Peter took that opportunity. What did Peter do? He got up and witnessed. He said, I've got a crowd. Let's do this. He started preaching. What did he preach? The redemptive story. He said, people, Jesus is who we've been waiting for. He even says what's happening now is what was prophesied in Ezekiel and Joel like we spoke. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. They became mighty what? Witnesses. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes you an empowered witness of the greatest truth the world will ever know, the gospel. So when the Holy Spirit came into my life, when I was 19 years old, guess what I started doing? Witnessing. And guess what? I wasn't a great witness. All I knew was, I got to tell people about this. I had one of these friends who was cuckoo. He was absolutely out of his mind. Gone. He, they actually kicked him off the bars and comments because he was walking through with a microphone. And they said, you can't be anymore. He cannot step foot on, on the Boston Commons anymore and freeze. There's something wrong with him a little bit, though. He says, I'm from Lynn. He says, well, come down Central Square Lynn with me and preach the gospel. I said, I guess I'm supposed to do that now, right? Let's do this. I walked down. Would you imagine? I'm, in the, I'm talking Central Square Lynn. You guys know that. City of sin, baby. I'm sitting in the middle, and I, we knew this one bar. We could go and they served you. It didn't matter how old you are, man. You walk in there 15, they'd be like, all right, what do you want? So we went to that bar because I knew a lot of people would be there. I know because in high school we'd go there and they just served you. Figured someone I know has to walk up, right? I went there for that reason, but then someone I know walked up. I said, oh, there's trouble in paradise. Tell me this doesn't happen because I'm still scared. This girl walks up. She has to be a very attractive girl that went to Lynn English. So I'm saying, here goes my whole reputation. I worked three years for this reputation. My whole life was about my image. Here we go, out the window. My friend's a fruitcake. He walks up. I'm talking to this girl, telling her the gospel. He gets on his knees, right? I don't even know what he was doing and starts just pleading, right? I'm like, Lynn, you got to get up. Bro. Stop doing this. Next thing you know, he gives her one of these and puts his hand on her head while I'm preaching to her. I said, oh, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. He was cooked. Pray for him. But I went down there, and I just knew I was supposed to witness I'm from Lynn. Let me get down there. Next thing you know, we end up in a bar. I open the door. They're doing karaoke. Everyone looks at me when I open the door. I just said, I'm going to stop preaching. I just stopped preaching like a lunatic. I got kicked out. But I was witnessing. Now, let me tell you, God sharpens you as you go. Don't go down to Central Square tonight. Unless God's really calling you there. 
I was a young buck. I had a fire in my soul, and I had to let it out. God sharpens you, but you don't stop witnessing when you think you're a great witnesser. You can't become a sniper unless you start shooting. You have to just start witnessing and let the Holy Spirit do the work. I wasn't a great witness, but let me tell you, a lot of people start turning to Jesus. Because it's not about us. It's about the message. It's about the truth. And it's about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a little shopping now. I got to preach at the interfaith service um, a week ago for the whole town. And I'm thinking, who knows what's going to happen, right? I didn't know if it was just going to be us and the clergy, you know, the clergy just in a choir. There's about 100 people there showed up. This is crazy. They got me walking down. I got my jeans on. Everyone else got a robe with a different color. Everything's falling off. And I'm walking down there to preach. And you, I got to preach Jesus. Like a snipe. Oh, they didn't even know what hit him. I mean, the rabbi was shaking my hand, man. He was like, all right, that's good. Unitarian Universalist came up and said, wow, that was awesome. He said, you did that so humbly, I couldn't even get offended. I don't even believe like you. God changes you as a witness. You get sharper through the power of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't stop just making us witnesses. He makes us disciples. Because that's what the church is called to do called to proclaim that gospel. When you proclaim that gospel, many people reject it, but some people say, I believe. And their lives don't say that. They become a disciple. Now, how would I define a disciple? <coughs> a disciple is someone who's devoted to Christ. A di disciple is someone who's devoted to Christ's community. And a disciple is someone who's devoted to Christ's mission. So if you're devoted to Christ, if you're a disciple of Christ, that means you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That you, means you believe that He died and rose again. That means you believe that He's the second person of Trinity. That means you believe that He's returning again one day. That means you believe that He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. That means your whole worldview is shaped by who? Jesus. My whole worldview is shaped by the teachings of Jesus. I look at the life of Jesus. I need to be like Him. I need to be all the things He was through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm devoted to Christ. I'm devoted to his community. Now, people want to just stop at devoted to Christ. Right? I'm devoted to Christ, but I'll do it for my living. People want to stop there. You cannot be devoted to Christ if you're not devoted to his community. They go hand in hand, just like you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart if you don't love your neighbor with all your heart. We are called to be devoted to a local church. That's a lost, I'm telling you, there's a lot of crooked teaching out there that I'm the church. I'm walking around. I am the church. I'm at home. I'm the church. I'm going on the street. I'm the church. There's some truth to that. If you guys go out, you're the church. But God has called you to have spiritual authorities in your life. Do you know that? God has called you to gather with qualified men who are pastors, to gather, to take communion, to give of your time, energies, and resources to what? To advance the gospel, to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. You cannot do that effectively the way the Lord created by yourself. A man who isolates himself, in Proverbs it tells us, seeks his own desire. We are called to do this as one unit, as a group of disciples. If you're devoted to Christ, you're devoted to his community. And finally, if you're a disciple of Christ, what are you devoted to? His mission. A disciple of Christ needs to seek to wake up every day, and his mission is, how do I advance the gospel? You need to devote it to that mission every day of your life. How do I advance the gospel? 
That's what you are here for now, according to the scriptures. You are called to be part of a local church, wherever you're called to, to join together, to fight together, to witness together, to make disciples together, and to advance the gospel at all costs. At all costs. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he was just talking to me how people, they want all of what the world has to give, and then they want all of what Jesus has to give. Just saying that don't work. I am blown away by how many people want everything the world has to give. They want all the comforts of the world, but they don't want to sacrifice anything for the kingdom of God. Let's be a people who are sacrificial and give our lives for the advancement of the gospel. This is a short road, my friends. A short road. We're here one day and we're with Jesus the next. Don't waste your life. Give everything you have to advance the gospel. I want to read to you what happened after 3,000 people were added to the church. When Peter preached, 3,000 people repented. They heard the gospel. They repented and they were baptized. All of a sudden, the church was 3,000 people. They went from 144 people to 3,000 people just because one man was faithful and got up and witnessed the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts 2.42, I'll just read you these five verses. And it says they what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any person had need. And day by day, <coughs> attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And what did God do as they were faithful to the advancement of the gospel? As they were devoted to Christ, community, and his mission, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What happens when we're devoted to Christ? We're devoted to his communion, we're devoted to his mission. The Lord adds to our number day by day. John Coppola said it beautifully yesterday. I just woke him up because I'm talking about him. We were down at the Christmas stroll, and he said, Joey, because he's saying, you know, we have a few new faces. God's being good to us. We're growing a little bit. He said, we're moving as one unit now. When we're one unit, and we're moving in that direction of the advancement of the gospel, nothing can stop us when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The thing is, our hearts, our minds, and our lives have to be going in that direction. Not just Joey, not just Dave, not just Luke. Every one of our hearts, minds, we've got to have the same ambition. Christ's ambition. To see the lost saved, to see people find Jesus, to see this place hear the gospel, and to see our cities and our towns changed. We've got to be of one heart. Because when we're moving one unit, with the Holy Spirit with us, there is nothing that can stop the church. So I want to ask you a few questions. If you're someone here who has not responded to the gospel by repenting, repentance is part of it, and baptism, I encourage you, I exhort you, I ask you, please, Repent and put your faith in Jesus. And be baptized. Let me know. Let Dave know. 
we'll set up a baptism service. We got this thing that it's like a what's that casket? Kind of casket because you're dying and you rose again. You know what I'm saying? And I would say this: I was baptized as a baby, as a as a Catholic. In Catholic theology, they believe that when you were baptized as a baby, it's salvific, meaning that it's washing all away your original sin away. Let me tell you, I don't see any support of that in Scripture. So my job as a pastor is to encourage you guys, if you were baptized as an infant, to be baptized as an adult. Now, am I saying you're not going to heaven? Am I saying you're not a Christian? I'm not saying any of that. You can't pin that on me. I'm saying it's my job as a pastor to encourage you to be baptized as an adult. It's called believer's baptism. That's what you see the pattern of in Scripture. The Holy Spirit awakens a the heart. They repent. They put their faith in. They get dumped. That's the pattern. I would encourage you today, repent. Put your faith in Jesus and let's get some people baptized. Secondly, I really want to ask you, let's make this count. Let's not play games. Please answer this question in your heart. Are you devoted to Christ? Are you devoted to his community? Are you devoted to his mission? If someone was to ask your friends and they had to do a survey, what are you most devoted to? Would they say to Christ? Would they say to the church? Would they say your strongest devotion is to the advancement of the gospel? So if that is not the case, I've got good news for you. God is gracious. He washes us clean every day. He gives us a new heart. He starts afresh. Let's leave this place today. The fire in our bones with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's be devoted to Christ, his community, and his mission. Are you a faithful witness of the gospel? Please ask yourself this honestly. Are you a faithful witness of the gospel? Once again, if I was going to survey your friends, would they say that's what you bear witness about the most in your life? About Christ, what he's done for you, who he is, his kingdom. Once again, I've got good news. If not, repent. God can change your heart. God can empower you. This is another thing. I, 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 I think if they had a trophy for who was the most fearful of what people thought in my early 20s, 19, I would have like been in the running. I would say what people thought, pleasing men, all those things, I, I was like, I had to be elite. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm too afraid to do this, I'm too afraid to bear witness, I'm afraid of what people think about me, I tell you, don't fear man, fear God. Jesus said those exact words. Don't fear man, fear God. I was so scared to be a witness. And I prayed and said, God, please. And he called me to preach, and I had serious social anxiety. Like, they call me up in front of people, and my, my eyelid would be like this, and my leg would be like this. Like, I, I'd rather die. Like, put a, I felt like, you know, put a bullet in me. And I'm like, I felt the call to preach, and I said, I can't do this. Like, I'm going to have a heart attack up there. I'm better now, and I'm comfortable with you guys, so. But I'll tell you, when I preached at Seven Mile Road, the stress I would go through every morning, I cannot explain to you. One time I threw up. More than one time, but I won't tell you how many times. I threw up upstairs. Dave's at the bottom of the stairs at Seven Mile Road. I'm walking down the stairs. Dave goes, oh, would you throw up or something? And I was like, 
I just kept walking. I wasn't going to tell him. He was saying it jokingly. I'm thinking I was just hurling upstairs, man. I'm nervous. But God makes you strong. God makes you strong when you're weak. If you're weak, God can come and strengthen your weakness. Even call someone like me. Wish I could tell you my whole story. You know, stuff you don't know. It's miraculous that I'm even up here bearing witness with Jesus. You can do the same and even more. Don't say I'm too fearful to do it because the Holy Spirit is so much stronger than your faith. And when you submit your life to Jesus, you become a witness like you never thought you could be. So I want to give you some practical things on being a witness. And I kind of just gave you the first one. You want to be a good witness of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. Pray. If you say you're too weak, go to God and say, God, I know I'm not strong. I know I haven't been witnessing like I should. Change me. Empower me. Second thing is, we witness about things we behold. So when we see these things that blow our minds, we become witnesses. You have to rehearse the gospel. You have to read the word. You have to be around a community of believers to have your mind blown with the rehearsal of the gospel because then you leave and you say, my God's great. My God's great. I see the gospel now. I see my sin. I see his perfection. I see he's eternal. I see I'm not. I see the benefits. And you just start witnessing. It's organic. You don't even have to work it up. If you're blown away by the gospel, you can't help but witness. We witness about things we're blown away by. Rehearse the gospel. Thirdly, be devoted in your mindset every day. Wake up and say, my main goal is to advance the gospel. I do that now. There's no other main goal. There's other stuff that happens. But my main goal, if I'm raking my yard, I should be yelling the gospel across to my neighbor. My main goal is to advance the gospel. Not just Joey, the pastor. Your main goal is to advance the gospel. Please hear that to me. Every day of your life, your life's legacy is how did you contribute to advancing the gospel? Fourthly, identify people in your life you can witness the gospel to. Make a list and be intentional. Spend time with these people. I make a hit list. I do. I write it down. I just start checking stuff off. Who has God put in your life to spend time with? Who has God put in your life to say, what is this Jesus stuff all about? Why do you want to church? You don't go to church. Get excited. It's good. Who has God put in your life that you can witness to that you can spend time with? You have people in your life that I can't spend time with. Make a hit list. Follow through with it. Five, stop being so antisocial. What's wrong with us? Get out of your living room. You've seen that movie 15 times. Go out and meet somebody, please. <laughs> you've got to go to different places. You've got to meet people. You've got to be social if you're going to be a faithful witness. Your wife's heard it. Your husband's heard it. You've got to meet new people. Listen, this is hard for me. I had like two restaurants me and Natalie went to for five years. Like, I like things. Lisa gave me a TV last week, and it was this awesome TV, but I had to get rid of my 12-inch. I was all sentimental about it because Nancy gave me this 12-inch screen with a VCR player. You played Jurassic Park, and it ate up your tape. I'm just one of these dudes that I like things a certain way. Like, I get sentimental. Like, the TV's unbelievable. I love it. So I watched my first Celtics game on it. I was like, mm -hmm. But I realized I gotta be a person that allows change in my life. I gotta stop this. This is fear based 
I gotta go to different places. I gotta meet different people. Ask Natalie. I go to the parent teachers meeting. I'm an extrovert up here. But when I just meet people, I get ridiculously shy. I sit there at the pastor meeting room. Okay. I walk on and I was like, you didn't say anything. I said, wow. It's hard. We've got to push ourselves. We've got to meet people. We've got to be social to be good witness because you've got to meet new people of all ages. I don't care how old you are. You've got to meet new people. Sixthly, use social media. Don't be that guy. I'm not using social media. I'm holy. What? You're the same dude that there's a snowblower in the garage and there's a shovel and you're like, no, using the shovel. The snowblower works better. It gets the mission done. It gets it done. If you need a workout, go ahead, use the shovel. It reminds me of this time. Josh, I got to call you out because I don't got so many weeks before you go. And he called me last week. I do talk about dudes every week. I didn't put it in this week just because I can't let Josh be right about it. He asked me to help him out of this house. You know what's coming. Joey, I got some gravel in my yard. They took out the pool. I, I got to get it out of there. I'll buy you pizza. My first thoughts were, Joffrey, really? Me, the pastor? Can you ask any young brother in here to help you get the gravel out of your yard? But I said, I'm, a, I'm, I'm there for you. Community. Devoted to community. I go Sunday afternoon. I show up. He gets me a great pizza. It was good pizza. We walk up to this. They had taken the pool out, right? And there's all stones in it. He takes out this thing he calls a sifter. It's a couple two-by-fours with a grate under it. He said, let's do this. I said, let's do what? He said, we're going to sift all this gravel off. I said, brother, all right. I had a good heart, though, didn't I, Joffrey? I said, I'm going for it. I said, he's crazy, but I'm going for it. So the goal was to shovel five scoops into the sifter. And me and Joffrey, i got to be careful with my emotions here. Me and Joffrey looking at each other. Seven stones later, let's do it again. We're in his corner and I'm looking at him and I'm saying, two hours, whatever he makes me do, I'm just doing it. Right? About 15 sifts later, right? He goes, Joe, I don't think it's going to work. I said, I'm bearing witness. This ain't going to work, brother. He said, I think I have an idealist viewpoint of what was going to happen. He had drove by his neighbor that somehow this high-tech sifter that the neighbor was just flinging stuff on there and the sifter was doing all the work like shaking and making it happen. And we're trying to use a tool that was absolutely ineffective. I'd be still sifting today if he didn't make a call. I say all the say this. Some must say, oh, I'm going to witness person to person and I want you to do that. Social media, you can spray everybody. I just spray people. I don't care what they think about me at this point. I just put it on this spray, lose a friend, get a friend. Because we got to use technology to advance the gospel at all costs. What an effective way. you got 500 friends. I can post something about Jesus on there. I can put a picture of my church on there. I can post a video of us trick-or-treating and being a community. I can do that, and 500 people are going to see it? Now, you're going to watch your heart. I'm not telling you to do it if it's for your own glory. But if you're doing it in the right heart for the glory of Jesus, tweet it out. Use social media for the glory of God, because people 
bear witness on social media. If you look at 90% of it, just them bear witness about something. What's the greatest thing to bear witness about? Gospel. Your social media. And the seventh thing, pray again. Sandwich that whole thing in prayer because we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. So naturally, we come to this. Why should we witness? Why should we witness? Of course, the chair broke. <laughs> no. um, why should we witness? And I'm going to say a, a truth here, and we'll speak on this. I actually moved it to after Christmas because we were preaching on hell the week before Christmas, and it seemed a little downer, you know? It was like the potluck dinner, and we are preaching on hell. I didn't want to scare everybody. So, because everyone who does not put their faith in Jesus in this life will not be reconciled to God in this life and live a dreadful life that is not fully fulfilled in all God is. But also, they'll experience judgment for their sins in the next life. They won't receive the pardon and work of God, of Jesus, if they don't put their faith in Jesus in this life. That's what Jesus teaches us. Once again, if you're devoted to Christ, these are his teachings. All who reject Jesus, all who don't put faith in him, was pardon and work, so their sins are put on Jesus by faith and grace. On judgment day, we'll give account for all their sins. That means they will be sentenced to judgment. That's why you should witness. Because this is no joke. If you believe Jesus is who he says he is. Because people are still under the wrath of God if they do not find the grace that is only found in Jesus. And that only happens through the faithful proclamation of his witnesses of his church. 